Hey everybody, my name is Tiffany Carlson. Thank you so much. This is Life After Paralysis, the official podcast for Spinalpedia. We are the podcast helping bring light, shed light on all topics related to uh, spinal cord injuries. And we're going to talk today about moving on after a catastrophic injury such as a spinal cord injury. But you don't have to have a spinal cord injury to relate to this podcast. If you've lost someone and you're not sure how to move on, if you've you know gone through bankruptcy, maybe you, you had cancer and you came through, or maybe you're struggling with some other disability or disease right now, this is a podcast for really any human being that has gone through something crazy, life-changing, and isn't sure how to move forward. And so that's why we're doing this show today, because I do believe that people with spinal cord injuries have a really good insight into this whole topic. And so I was talking to my PCA about this just a month ago and she's like, Tiffany, you should like do a topic that other people can listen to that aren't necessarily in wheelchairs because it would bring everybody into the world and not be so segmented all the time. I, and so I, and that's what we're trying to do. We want everyone to kind of, you know, join in on the topic. And this is a topic that everyone can relate to. But for this show, we are gonna be interviewing Four people, and so I brought on uh, some really interesting guests, uh, and I'm gonna let y'all know right now who they are. Our first guest is Darren. He is from Oklahoma. He's an incomplete uh, quadriplegic. He's not been injured very long, and he's gonna share with uh, with us what it's like to live in a kind of a rural part of the um, of the United States and to have a new injury and what it's like to move on after that. And we're also gonna talk with Jason, who's been on the show before, Jason Thurston. He's a quadriplegic and he was hurt in his 30s when he was married with kids. And he has some insight in how to move on after that kind of injury in your middle life. And we're also gonna be joined by Justin, who is a hunter from Wyoming and he's a paraplegic and he's gonna talk about how getting back into his passion, which is hunting, right away helped him move on. And we'll also be joined by Lindsay, who's an incomplete quad, former nurse who lives in the Mount Hood, Oregon area in the beautiful woods and has some really cool, keen insight as well on how she's been able to move forward after, let's face it, when your life gets tossed upside down, when you have a spinal cord injury, it's not easy. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hang tight. We're going to start with, uh, sorry, Darren. And yeah, go through all of our great interviews. And if you have any topic suggestions, please let me know. My email is Tiffany Carlson, T-I-F-F-I-N-Y at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Um, hello, everybody. So this is going to be a really fun podcast uh, this month. I've been talking to my PCA about trying to do um, a topic that will bring in not just people with disabilities, but with um, that everybody will want to listen to because you know our you know our experiences can be you know related by I think everybody. I mean, we may have a disability, but what we experience can really be. I think understood by everybody in their own personal experiences, which is why we're doing this topic today, which is how to move on from something catastrophic that has happened to you. In this case, we're gonna be talking about moving on from a spinal cord injury, but maybe you've experienced something like a death or the death of a dog, or maybe you dropped out of college or something, and how do you move on? And maybe you can take some wisdom from this conversation today. So that's what we're up to. And so our first guest is gonna be Darren from Oklahoma. And we're gonna let him, you know, share his whole story, even though I kind of know a little bit. So hey, Darren, welcome to the show. Hey. 
Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And I know I know you have a spinal cord injury. It's an incomplete injury and you live in Oklahoma, but and I know you're in your 20s, but that's kind of all I know about you. So why don't you, um, let's start, let's start with, I, I'm kind of interested in where the heck you're from because I think Oklahoma is kind of a different, I don't know a lot of people from your part of the country. So why don't you start with that? Yeah, I am actually from uh, rural Oklahoma, western Oklahoma, far okay. western Oklahoma. It's a little town called Elk City. Oh. Um, I actually grew up here um, and moved away and ended up coming back here after my spinal cord injury. Okay. Um, most people, if you tell them Elk City, they don't know where it is. So how I explain it is if you're going from Oklahoma City, because most, most people can find that on a map, yep. and you're going to uh, Amarillo, Texas, yep. and you get right to the Texas border, that's, that's where I'm from. So Oklahoma, Texas border. Ooh, so that yeah. must be, so is it a pretty small town? Uh, yeah, it's a town of about 10,000. 10,000? 10, so very, very small. Wow. And are you one of the few uh, visibly disabled people in town? I am. I, I don't know that there is anyone else in a wheelchair other than myself. Okay. So. Well, that's... <laughs> representing here. You're representing. You are. And I know for, <laughs> and for you, too, this is kind of a new journey for you. Like You've only yeah. been disabled for, what, three years or something like that? Uh, yeah, like two, about two and a half years now. It was oh, wow. uh, January of 2017. Okay. So wow. Long at all. That know? that doesn't. Yeah. Twenty seventeen. That's just like that's literally just like yesterday. You're really in the beginning stages of kind of. I mean, why don't let's start with your accident? You know, you you were injured about you were you was a weird injury, right? I I, I kind of when I was reading your story on Facebook, it was kind of as crazy how you were diagnosed. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so um, I was actually born with a congenital defect. It's called a spinal, spinal arteriovenous malformation. Um, it's, uh, it's a really, really rare, it's called a spinal AVM. It's a really rare defect. There aren't very many people in the world that have them. Um, there are around 100 diagnoses in the U.S. every year. Okay. Um, and huh. the, the way that I found out, um, most people don't don't know that they even have this until they are in their late 20s, um, early 30s, and I was 25 at the time. Okay. And um, around the weekend of Thanksgiving uh, 2016, I actually fell down my basement stairs. Oh my gosh. And I started having symptoms that were si similar to sciatica. Okay. So I started going to these doctors and um, the pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I uh, went to my primary care physician and he was like, oh, it's just sciatica. It takes, you know, several weeks for to get over that. Mm. So, um, you know, it just kept getting worse. I went okay. to a second doctor for another opinion, yeah, a yeah. third doctor. And they just kept telling me, you know, that there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Oh. Um, it was like pulling teeth to get anyone to do an Jeez. MRI. You know, they would do x-rays. But that really wasn't showing anything. And um, so I was going to a chiropractor and he was doing adjustments on me. And around the level of my in injury, which is T8 to T12, he could feel something there, but he oh. was still like, oh, this is really weird. Let's keep doing this for a few more weeks. Okay. And um, I mean, it was getting to the point where I was sleeping, sitting up in a chair. So oh my gosh. It was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty severe. Wow. And um, <laughs> so then uh, January of 2017 rolled around, 
uh, it was actually January 11th. Mm-hmm. I was walking to my car mm-hmm. uh, on my lunch break. Okay. I worked at Wichita State University in Wichita, Kansas at the time. Okay. And uh, my legs just went out from under me. Just wow. I could not walk. Just they completely stopped. Wow. And at that time, I was getting to the point where, I mean, I could just barely shuffle my feet. And again, like I said, I had been going to these doctors and everyone was telling me, you know, just give it a little bit more time, keep doing stretches, go to physical therapy, uh, wow. you know, you're young, oh, it's yeah. not uncommon to have lower back pain, and <laughs> so, uh, Meanwhile, so, you're falling over, and you yeah, can't even stand yeah. up, like, that's more than sciatica, people. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. way more than that, so one of my coworkers helped me to my car, she mm-hmm. got a couple of football players, uh-huh. helped me to my car, and um, I call one of my friends, who actually drives me to the hospital, because I mean, who wants to pay for an ambulance? <laughs> and and oh, no. uh, I get there, and uh, they do an MRI, and I'm, uh, you know, that takes a, a couple of hours actually. Right. And the doctor comes in, and he says, "You're flying to Phoenix, Arizona tonight. You're going to Barrow Neurological Institute." Uh-huh. And, and there wow. we were. I, I ended up there, and wow. they told me how to sign a ADM. That's crazy. And so, what's the rehabilitation like for such a dis- you know, a diagnosis. Were you in the hospital for several months? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, after they removed the spinal AVM, it was actually, you know, it uh, was slowly bleeding onto my spinal cord. Mm-hmm. So there was a hematoma. Wow. And um, so they went in and they removed that. And then uh, I was actually at Barrow Neurological Institute for two months okay. for wow. rehabilitation. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and I've actually posted a couple of videos on, on Facebook. Um, I was, uh, they use like the exoskeleton to treat, no way. Uh, to teach you your weight shift. Cool. Again, so I can actually walk short distances. I can't go very far. Right. I can go from like my recliner to bed or my, my recliner to the bathroom. And that's helpful. Like that. But you yeah, probably could. Least, yeah, for yeah. transferring. Yeah. That's nice. You couldn't walk down an airplane aisle, though, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> not 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 terribly far. But if there's if there are things where I can you know grab on for balance. balance like that, I can I can at least get oh. where I need to go, that's, which is yeah. very helpful. That's that yeah. that is that is you know it's yeah. always you know everyone's own perspective though. I'm sure some quadriplegics hearing this would be like, oh god, that would be the greatest thing in the world if oh, I could yeah. do that. Oh, you yeah, know, it's extremely helpful. And even from my own perspective, just having you know, experience not having that as long as I did, even though it was for a short period mm-hmm. of time, um, just not, not just transferring with nothing but a, a transfer board wow. for the period of time that I did, it, being able to actually get up and walk from yeah. my recliner to my chair, that it makes a huge difference. It really does. So, so. Uh, can you, is there like, you know, just cause I don't know a lot about AVM so much so I know it's like incomplete spinal cord injury pretty much right yeah so yeah, I have a, it's an incomplete so yeah it's a narrowing of the spinal there and then this permanent they can't fix the damage right obviously uh, no no and um, they're doing a lot of research with um, stem cell research yep. right now yeah and so that's promising you know as with any spinal cord injury that's kind of the next Oh, I listen. I've been following it too. I'm a C6 quadriplegic, and I every year and every you know, there's always something new. The latest is, of course, is the epidural stimulation. That stuff is pretty exciting. So, yeah, well, and I deal with the chronic pain because you know, with with us incomplete, uh, it's crazy. The first time I talked to um, 
a complete after my accident, and uh-huh. I, I said something about neuropathy to them, and this was after I was home. Okay. Um, I, I was I was talking to someone and they said neuropathy, right. and I was like, yeah, and they were like, what's that? And I was like, nerve nerve pain, and they were like, yeah, I don't get that, and I was like, what? <laughs> and you know, being an incomplete, I I deal with all of that. Oh. And my left and right side are totally and completely different. Really? My right leg oh. is completely different than my left leg. Oh. Have different kinds of neuropathy in each of my feet. That's and crazy. All of that. Yeah, so that's I deal so. I with um... a lot of the chronic pain. <sighs> That's hard, you know, and I hear about this often from a lot of people with incomplete injuries. I, I don't have chronic pain. I have a complete injury, but it's crazy. So when you have this chronic pain, is it because like the doctors have explained it? I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because the spinal cord gets confused because all the stimulation coming up and then it interprets it as pain. Is that basically what it is? It's almost like it's a signal that is. It's almost like a, a it, it's getting a, a, a bad signal, okay. almost, if that makes sense. Oh, it's like a signal that it's getting from the brain to the rest of your body, that it's like, it's, it's not right. Something isn't right. And so you're getting a pain. And so for me, it's on my left side, on my leg, I get like this. Um, it feels like it's asleep all the time and like it's numb. And then I also get like the burning, and then on my right side I get almost like it's like sciatica. Wow! On my right side, and uh, I also get the burning sensation. So and uh, and on the bottom of my and I can't really feel either of my feet at all, which is part of why uh, learning your weight shifts again was so important. Yeah, I feel them in my knees. I don't feel them in my feet. Similar to like um, so. similar to like someone who's an amputee. Okay. You know, whenever they have to learn to walk again, they feel their weight shifts in their knees. Right. That's kind of the way I am as well. Oh. So that's why those exoskeletons are so important. That's so cool that you got to do yeah. that. And that was down in Texas, right? No, that was in uh, Phoenix. In Phoenix. Phoenix Arizona, they're right. on Neurological Institute. Well, they're, they out. are amazing. That's that's great that you had that opportunity. And so yeah. it sounds like you're back at home now, adjusting, yeah. living life. And so are you, what for your chronic pain, let's talk, are you taking Lyrica or what are you doing just to living day-to-day life? How do you deal with that? <laughs> I'm on a lot of medications. Okay. I actually still, um, I am on a lot of different medications. I okay. was on Lyrica last year because I've been on gabapentin mm-hmm. for, I was on gabapentin for, oh, up until last summer, and then I started taking Lyrica, and from August until December, okay, no I one. gained 50 pounds. What? <laughs> so I stopped taking that, Oof, <laughs> Oof. and I've lost about 30 of it again, but it was it, it was insane. It was like one day I woke up, and it was like none of my clothes fit. That's crazy. So I stopped taking that. Okay. That's too bad. Um, but I'm on a lot of different medications well, for it. It's... It, it, Kind of insane. And so, are they helping though? Do they help? Because I know when you're living with a disability and you know trying to adjust to this, the pain thing is like the last thing you want to deal with. So I hope that Mm -hmm. you can somehow make it not as horrible at least. There is, and there's a lot of different things. Um, I, I. 
there's a lot of different things that, that we can explore. Mm-hmm. Um, living in Oklahoma, we actually have medical marijuana is legalized here. That's so great. That's something that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's something that a, a lot of different people are trying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I think that, that more states, I think, need to explore. Yes, um, I agree. I not, love that. Mm-hmm. not legal at the federal level yet, but I'm hoping that it will be someday because it helps so many different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I, I, I haven't, I haven't experimented with it yet. But hopefully someday I'll be able to. Have you ever tried acupuncture or anything like that? Eastern I, medicine. I haven't gone. I've, I've tried um, massage therapy and a mm-hmm. few other things, and they haven't been helpful for okay. for my pain just because it's so severe. Okay. Um, a lot of people who have spinal ADMs, it's just it's such a severe injury. <sighs> you know, for some of the the um, some of them that aren't aren't quite as if you're not dealing with like I know people who have like diabetic neuropathy it's it's I don't want to yeah. say that you're not going through severe pain but whenever you have that traumatic spinal cord injury it's normally so severe that nothing seems to help I've tried so many different things oh man you, you know, know that's and the only thing that that I've I've medication seems to be the only thing so far that's helped so okay well not even a good hot tub soak huh because <laughs> you know you, think, you know go with some hot uh, water you know actually mm-hmm. icing my feet does help some yeah so, you know that. well i was gonna say before we move on to the next thing i because we are going to talk about kind of dealing and how you're managing it mentally but the chanda plan foundation is this really cool nonprofit in colorado she's a quadriplegic her name's chanda hinton and she had like a lot of pain after her injury and she got really thin because she just didn't want to eat anymore anyways so she got like a bunch of acupuncture and it really helped and she knows so now oh, she really? yeah and so now she basically gives free scholarships and grants to people with neurological disabilities you can go there or she'll help you hook you up with something in your town and you can at least try it out for free so i'll send you some information something to look into yeah she's i know a quadriplegic here in minnesota who had some major problems with pain and he went down there and they they helped him a lot he said if it wasn't just for their foundation he would be kind of stuck so maybe i'll send you their information i don't know i mean it's always something to check out something new out there yeah it's just like all the other alternative things that i've tried it just hadn't helped so i just thought it's always something you know yeah. but you sound like such a sweetheart and you're like only 26 aren't you uh, i'm 28 you're now 28. <laughs> you're so sweet. okay so golly gee so what's it like you have a lot of friends down in oklahoma what how's your family so that's great so how have your friends been dealing with your you know let's say transition into a person so, with a disability well, and uh, at the time, you know, I lived in Wichita, Kansas, so I came back and okay. um, I worked for a little while. And uh, I, uh, my partner at the time was really great, um, oh, great, but we've since broken up. And I came back to a great family and friend support system, but I was away from my family. Okay, and yeah. so since I've moved back um, closer to my family and my support group, my friends, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a lot of friends here in Oklahoma. I hadn't lived in Wichita, Kansas for very long, so I had a small group of friends, but not the huge support group that I think you need whenever you're going through something traumatic like this. Yeah. And so I made the decision that I wanted to move back here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I live, you know, close to my parents, and I'm, you know, I I'm have that that close tight knit group of friends that I need. 
that's a, um, that's a good and idea. My best friends growing up, mm-hmm. you know, they're super supportive and they're there. You know, I can snap my fingers and they're there anytime I need them. So that's great because that was kind of part yeah. of the question I was going to ask was, you know, like what. What was your first reaction like when your doctor was like, okay, Darren, you're, you're probably not going to walk that much ever again like you used to, and you're going to have to be in a wheelchair, and you're only in your 20s, and did you have like some massive depression, or were you so, or sort of okay with it? How? What was like your first reaction to such a like big, you know? You know, I've dealt with anxiety and depression. It's been something that I've struggled with my whole life, and surprisingly with this I was super I tried to be super positive and upbeat for the people around me because I felt like my family took it way harder than I did Mm -hmm. so it was one of those things where I was trying to like put on a good you know a good show for them because I felt like everyone around me was like super (laughs) super um downtrodden about it interesting. Um, so yeah. I think that I tried to stay strong, mm-hmm. you know, going through it for them. But uh, I think that whenever yeah. I was in rehab and I had all of that support initially, it was easy. Mm-hmm. Because you have the aides and you have yeah. the nurses. You have someone yeah. constantly coming in and doing your medications. And you're never alone. You yeah. Whenever you're going to, yeah, you're never alone. And someone is constantly mm-hmm. telling you, okay, you need to do this, okay, we're going to shower, okay, here's mm-hmm. your food, okay. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you get home, that immediately goes away. Yep. I mean, you're going from someone completely telling you when you're going to do everything. Yeah, and that's nice in a way, yeah. Yeah, to completely doing everything. Mm-hmm. I remember the first day that I was home, I looked at my mom and I said, I can't do this. <laughs> I cannot do this. There's no way. Oh, no. And she said, no, we're, we're just going to take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that's first, hard. that first week, I think, was the hardest. It's, isn't that true? It is true. Yeah. yeah, coming back into your home environs, but you're like the same person, but in a different body. It almost yes. feels like you're a ghost a little bit, doesn't it? It's really weird. Yes. That's the best description I've ever heard, that you're the same person, but in a different body. Absolutely. Yeah. It's totally yeah. true, though. And yeah. it's really freaking weird, but... There, you, you have no option but to deal with it, right? Because we can't yeah. fix it. And I think when people ask, cause they've asked me too, they're like, well, I, yeah, I couldn't do that. There's no way. I could. I would have to kill you myself. Have you don't have a choice. And listen, I'm, and you probably the same way, right? I think life is, there's always, life can be difficult, but even with pain still, it's, there's got to be something I'm still, for me at least, you know, life is still worth living, right? Right? Yeah. And that's the thing is it's finding those things, to, the little things to live for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rewarding yourself and uh, always one of, one of the things that I do is I read 30 minutes whenever I love to read. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things that I, that I can do. That's so cool. And so I read 30 minutes whenever I get up in the morning and 30 minutes whenever I go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. So that way I know that I have something to look forward to at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day every single day that's nice. it's almost like a reward for myself it's like i get through the day and i know that i have that and i know that whenever i wake up in the morning it's going to happen Ooh. and it's just those little things in life that you have to give yourself i think absolutely and that's the thing yeah. you 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 appreciate 
the smaller moments too. Yes. Right? I know yes. I sure do. Like I appreciate the seasons changing. Like I've, I, or just a hot cup of coffee, which is stupid, but right. I do. You know what I mean? Right. Life can be, it's sad, but it's, it's like bittersweet, but it, unfortunately it takes something like crazy this to happen for us to see these things. But when you're young like this, do you ever feel since you're in your 20s, because I was hurt when I was 14, so I know exactly what you're going through. In your 20s, do you ever right. feel like you're more mature than your friends? Yeah, you feel like you're an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> so. You feel like everyone around you is kind of... <laughs> I feel often that your priorities are far different. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at some of the things that people... Especially, I mean, not as much... I mean, it's been two and a half years now, and a lot of my friends are, are you know, starting family. Yeah, right, getting married. Um, yeah, right. But um, especially whenever my injury first happened, you know, people were still, you know, had different priorities or the things that were, you know, tragedies in their lives. You know, you're going, not really as big of a deal as you think it is, you know. <laughs> but, you know, everyone yeah. has their experience and you don't never want to diminish exactly. that. Exactly. At the same time, you're going, oh, if you only knew, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you, ever have, do you ever have any friends that, do you have any people that you've noticed are kind of like, eh, they're like uncomfortable to maybe hang out with you now? Um, I feel it's more, I more get people ask questions that I feel are, I don't want to say inappropriate because mm-hmm. I always, I'm all about educating people. Yeah, 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 me but too. But it's more someone asked me a question and I think to myself if it wasn't me that you were asking that question I would feel really bad for the person who you were asking that question yeah I mean for instance Mm -hmm. questions about trying to think something like bowel care or something like that (laughs) like for 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 me I'm pretty much an open book and I really like to take the time to educate people about things Mm-hmm. with regards to disability but if yeah. you ask just anyone that that could be a really embarrassing conversation ah, okay. so I try to tell people I'm yeah, like yeah. you know thank you for asking me that but also don't just ask any disabled person that question yeah. you know what I mean yeah. um, but mm-hmm. no I don't I don't know that I've had anyone that was just like right, I good. don't but then again the people that I have in my life are also awesome um, yeah I, I have a very very tight knit group and the people in my life who were really toxic, I think I've tried to cut out because I just don't have time for I mean, anything other than positivity. Yeah. You already know what you're doing over there. How'd you get so smart? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It puts a lot of things in perspective when you go through something like that. That's true. Especially yeah. like you said, at our at being young, yeah. at, at our age that we went through something like that. You know. Do you have any like favorite books that have helped you at all that you want to recommend anybody? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there were two. Let me look. I can never remember the last. <laughs> um, one of them is Take It Lying Down by Jim Linnell. Okay. And he, it, his story is really great because he was actually older okay. whenever he um, was injured, whenever right. he um, whenever he went through his spinal cord injury. Okay, okay. So he was almost retirement age. So it's a little That's bit different crazy. perspective. Yeah. But then um, Headstrong by Scott W. Fedor, he was actually younger. And he had, he was engaged. He had like his whole life ahead of him. Yeah. Um, a career. 
And his story is really, really interesting. That's one that I would really suggest. That's Headstrong. Headstrong. Oh, they're good ones. He was was, um, like a a businessman. He was really um, career-oriented. And so his spinal cord injury really changed his perspective on life. See? That's a really good one if you're younger. So those are two different, kind of different perspectives of spinal cord injury and life in general afterwards. All right. That's some good good reading and um, recommendations. So, I, gosh, so there, So what are, what is your plans now before I let you go? What's your life plans? Are you going to college? Are you working? What, what are you doing? So right now I am not, not, um, I am planning on eventually I want to get my Ph.D. Oh, really? So probably in psychology. Oh, um, cool. That's on hold for the moment. Okay. But at some point I want to go back. I have a master's in healthcare admin. Wow. So, oh, my yeah. God. All right. So. Well, that's pretty freaking cool. Well, <laughs> you know, if you ever want, I mean, I feel like I want to, like, keep t- having you on at some point. You have some pretty good advice. Sure. I, there was going to be some other stuff, but unfortunately I have to kind of, like, end, end, the sh- end this conversation because I have to <laughs> put other people on the show. But I like your vibe, and I really think that you're going to just be awesome in life, and I know that you're going to just be doing great down there, but... I don't want to lose track with you, so I'm going to have you on again, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Okay. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Darren. Talk to you later. So, hey, everybody, we have a returning guest I'm kind of excited about, Jason Thurston. He was on our camping episode earlier this summer, and he's up there on the East Coast working in the woods and doing really cool stuff, helping people with disabilities get out in the wilderness. And so he is joining us again today to talk about, you know, his experience moving on after his injury. Um, And I think he has some probably really good um, words of wisdom to share on this topic. So that's why we brought him back. So, hey, Jason, welcome back. Hi, thank you very much. Awesome. So, I thanks again. I know you're probably busy right now. It's mid to late August, and how's it been up there at the at the campground at the park where you're at? It's been good. It's been a, quite the learning experience as far as getting into the deeper aspect of it. Uh, really? I obviously was there as a camper before, but now as an employee, I am learning more and more about the day to day operations. That's awesome. And so you're doing that every day still, right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I go out there, I've been out there uh, about another week, wow. but I'm doing a lot of stuff online and, that's and, so cool. and that sort of thing. Well, that's awesome, and for anyone listening out there, what's the state park that they didn't watch the other episode or listen to the other episode? What was, where do you work at? Oh, it's, uh, it's uh, International Papers John Dillon Park. Yep, 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 it's so cool. And you're helping with a lot of aspects of your job, but a part of it is helping get people out in the wilderness, right, in case people are trying to tease people to watch the older episode. Yeah, I'm the outreach coordinator, so I'm trying to find people that would benefit from the experience and uh, help them figure out uh, whatever it is they might need to get out there. Oh, my gosh, and one more question about that. When it gets cold outside, what are you going to do now? Oh, I'm going to take some time off, I think. Uh, all right. Well, this is kind of cool, you know, when, when, when you all live in these four seasons, all of us do, especially when you're in a wheelchair, you kind of have the winter to kind of like stay inside a little bit and kind of think about life and all that. And I don't know, at least in Minnesota, that's what I do. There's a lot of indoor stuff, but 
Anyways, so I just wanted to talk to you today a little bit about how you've managed to kind of figure out your life and, you know, seem to be pretty happy with, you know, your life. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are on the sidelines who are able-bodied, and I've been talking about this with other guests on this show, is everyone's always, I don't know, have you ever had anyone come up to you, a friend or a family or maybe a coworker, go, gosh, Jason, I don't think I could do what you're doing. And does that has ever happened to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. All yeah. kinds of different uh, responses. <laughs> and, it, and what's your, like, gut reaction when someone says that? I'm very open-minded when it comes to talking about my injury and my coping mechanisms and stuff like that. I, I feel like uh, the more educating I can be, the, the better off it is in the end instead of being uh, put off by it or anything. Well, I've had, you ever had someone that said they'd rather kill themselves than be in your situation? And what do you say to someone when they say something like that? I always I bet, tell people, like, you know, you can be strong too. You know, I think people aren't really capable. I, a lot of able bodied people simply do not think they could do it. I mean, and I'm like, yes, you can. I thought the same thing before I was in the situation. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I, I don't think anybody knows what they would do until they're actually in the situation. Right. Um, I, that definitely different people handle it uh, in different ways. I know when I was, when I was first injured, I uh, had a, an experience that, that empowered me to, to try my hardest in the beginning. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, and I remember people in rehab t- telling me that there were others that had been through the same situation and, like you said, just didn't want to live anymore. Yep, didn't yep. want to try or anything like that. Well, it's pretty sad, you know, and I think when we're going through our lives, people look at us and they feel sorry for us, but it's always a learning experience. But I do think, though, it's it's interesting to, to kind of show people how we do get through the day and, and cope and manage. And people, a lot of people simply think they couldn't do it. And then once you find yourself in the situation you realize you do have the strength and i mean before when your injury happened what was your initial reaction to your own situation and how did you feel or were you instantly like motivated just to go forward and what was what was your you know the first year like for you well i was i was 31 when i had my accident and uh happily married and i had two children and so i had a lot to live for and i felt like i owed it to them to to try hardest See, there you go. And so I'm trying to ask if you were depressed at all. It sounds like you weren't. So at first, at first mm-hmm. I was pretty strong. I had a, I had a lot of, a lot of people rally around me. I had a big family and, uh, that would come visit me often. And I had a pretty strong, uh, faith as far as, okay, uh, there you go. Yeah. See, that can help a, for a lot of people. They, They've talked about faith going through an injury like this because it's so jarring to like suddenly be in a body that really isn't like what you're used to anymore. And it's a acquired disability. I mean, transitioning from an able-bodied person to someone who's visibly disabled and being treated as such is a massive life transition. I mean, you, I sound like you did a pretty good job of it. And, and so, but for a lot of people, they struggle for years, struggle for years. I talked to some guys who've been injured for 27 years and they still have a hard time with it and I and I know that there's some secrets of wisdom inside your brain of there Jason 
Well, uh, at first I took it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after I came home from rehab, my marriage kind of fell apart. So See? that's when the depression kind of set Oh, that sucks. Okay. Well, that happens to such so many people, it seems. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the therapist that I had in rehab said to me, he said, it's, the relationships often don't work out after a spinal cord injury, not just because of the person who's not injured, but because the person who is injured uh, is miserable. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Yeah. Oh, man. So it was, a, it was a combination of those things. That's terrible. So, okay, that must have been, what year did you get injured? So it was a while ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was 15 years ago. It was 2004. Yeah. So, all right. So you went through a divorce. That must have been really difficult. So what did you do? To, what, how did you get through that? You know, it's tough, you know, being suddenly being treated like a guy in a wheelchair. Like how in the heck as an able-bodied guy did you deal with that? You know, you're rolling around the world. People are going, oh, do you need help with something? Do you need help with something? How do you, how do you suddenly, you know, you know, deal with being this different type of person in the world that you're used to living in. I think it's so difficult for people, but I just was wondering if that was a thing for you. Oh yeah, well there was definitely some some long long nights and some long days uh, going through that. Uh, again, I was lucky that I had a close family, and uh, my mother had moved in with me, so that helped a lot. Yeah. And uh, you know, friends of mine definitely were were by my side and around. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I definitely uh, also went through, uh, you know, therapy and uh, got on some medications for depression and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So, really? Did that help? Yes, absolutely. See, absolutely. I tried talk therapy, and I decided I did not like it. Um, hold on one second. got to pause this. I, have it. I was waiting for, a, of course, my yep. wheelchair delivery is coming. Hold on one second. Okay, so I think a lot of people, when they're, you know, trying to find a therapist and stuff like that, how in the heck did you find a therapist that you liked? Because I always felt a little bit put off by my therapist because I felt like, well, how can they relate to me? Because they're not in a wheelchair or they haven't, you know, been through paralysis. Well, a big a big part of my therapy had had a lot to do with my relationships. So, oh, okay. Uh, what, I, what I talked about had more to do with... Uh, with that, but also, I mean, how the accident and how my body had changed affected all of those things too, because no longer was I able to be the provider and the, you know, the strong one to carry the firewood and, you know, Mm. car and whatever, but uh, it definitely, it it is hard to find the right therapist. And And how did you find someone you liked? Uh, I got lucky, I guess. Um, I went to the, you know, the local uh, psych center, basically, and um, it was it was the second one that I had. The first one I had had no idea and gave me some bad advice. Oh, but no. the second one I've had uh, really helped me a lot. That's awesome. Okay. Do you want to sh- share exactly? I mean, you don't have to go into detail, but I mean, for someone like that has never, like maybe someone's out there listening that isn't quite sure about seeing a therapist, what's, what would you recommend? Like, is it, like, is it a long-term thing, a short-term thing? Do they just talk, you know, one of those, a lot of therapy sessions, they just like listen to you, right? You just talk about your problems. They just listen. I think it'd be really great to go to like a life coach sometimes where they can kind of tell you what you should do, you know? <laughs> Well, as far as therapy goes, uh, it's it's a challenge. I had been through it before, prior uh-huh. to my accident. Okay. So I was a little bit familiar with the techniques that, 
you know, that they use as far mm-hmm. as you go in and, and, and you talk about your challenges. And rather than telling you what you should do, they yep. sometimes can, uh, you know, just guide you through by simple, simple questions in order to get you to figure it out for yourself, really. Okay. All right. Well, you sound like you have it all figured out over there. I was hoping to get some words of wisdom from you, Jason, but I don't think you have any strong advice to share. But it sounds like your your faith has been the biggest thing for you, huh? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You, you could so, talk more about that if you want. I mean, I'm not anti-religion or anything like that. Oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. But uh, giving back is another big one that I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to talk to you about. Okay. Uh, a couple of years after my injury, uh, actually it was less than a year, I got involved with the Independent Living Center. Okay. And uh, at first as a board member and then as an employee, and I, then I discovered that by, uh, by being a peer mentor and being an advocate, uh, those kinds of ways to, to give back to the system were very rewarding. And, oh, that's, yeah. and, that's, what, that, and that's what pulled me through. Really? Really? See, that's awesome. Just helping other people. You hear that quite often. Maybe not helping yourself, but helping other people is what helps you. It's kind of interesting, isn't that? But you've really enjoyed helping other people who are also paralyzed, though, huh? Oh, sure. Well, the Independent Living Center dealt with people of all kinds of disabilities. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just paralysis. It was people going through all kinds of different changes. Okay. Because I know they have peer mentors with the Christopher Reeve Foundation, and that's a really great way for a lot of people to help other people who are paralyzed, too. Have you ever gotten involved with that? I am, actually. I'm a peer mentor for the Christopher Reeve Foundation. Oh, there you go. See? Yeah. I mean, and that's huge. I've, I remember when I was first injured too and just meeting other people in rehab who you can relate to and just making friends with them is just a, it's a really great thing too just to have some people in your life that I think understand instead of just a bunch of able-bodied people that think they can relate but they really can't you know yeah I mean and that's huge do you, do you have any close friends with in wheelchairs I don't as no. a matter of fact I'm, I live mm-hmm. in a pretty remote area and the mm-hmm. rehab that I went to there wasn't anybody else there that that went through spinal cord injury, but oh, no. um, way back in 2004, when the internet was still fairly new, yeah. you know, before Facebook and, and social network or anything like that, I, w- I did get involved with a uh, it was an email list and okay. it was called the Quad List. Oh yeah, and it was it was people all over the country with all different uh, ranges of of spinal cord injury and different. Uh, you know, some of them had 30 years experience. So cool. to be able to reach out to them was was priceless. That uh-huh. definitely, more than anything, I think that that peer connection, that way to be able to say, oh, I've been through this, and they say, oh, I've been through that too. You know, it really helps a lot. So you're more of a giver. You just like to help other people. <laughs> That's I, a, yeah, that, I've kind of always mm, been that way. I'm that, the oldest mm, of three, and okay. uh, mm-hmm. and definitely looked after my little cousins. Stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, you couldn't really help with the wood pile anymore, but you could go out there and you could help other people in other ways, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think for a lot of people, they just want to feel useful. I've heard this from other people with spinal cord injuries too. Like, so a lot of people are not satisfied just sitting at home on Social Security and not working and doing anything. Like, that's what a lot of people think they, that we in our situations want. But no, we actually want to be busy, productive people and to do stuff with our lives. And that can help immensely too with just mental health, don't you think? 
Yeah, you definitely want to feel valuable in some way. Absolutely, and, and working, just doing something, and you know, following your passion. And I don't think for a lot of people they can't work because you know it's painful or whatever. But just finding something though and trying to do it can be really cool. And didn't your you know love of helping others parlay into a new career for you? Absolutely. And so, what Absolutely. do you do? So, how do you help people nowadays? Uh, well, I have been, uh, like I said, through the Christopher Reese Foundation, I do have a few people that I mentor. That's so cool. Um, and I'm always reaching out in that direction, as well as a couple of different groups on Facebook and uh, through that medium. I'm, I'm on uh, the Spinal Cord USA yeah. uh, all the time and a- constantly responding and helping and out trying people just that way have you mal- have you uh, dated ever anyone since you and your wife have broken up i actually got married again heck yeah that's great jason yeah uh, uh two years after two years after my uh my divorce i met somebody there you go uh yeah well she was lined up to be a a, a part-time caregiver in case i needed somebody else and we hit it off right away we were together for for five years. Oh. Until that didn't work out, but. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, at least you're trying. Uh, That's life, right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It gets absolutely. messy. I know. I love that you're still trying to date because I've talked to a lot of quads or paras, and they're like, "Nope, not gonna do it. Not even interested." And they're like, "Nope." And I'm like, "You gotta get out there and try. Life is short. It's always it's always worth trying to find love. Still, it's always worth it. And it may not work out, but it's still worth trying." I'm kind of romantic, oh, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. There's somebody out there for everybody. Damn right there is. And even, you know, and don't you find that, you know, when you're paralyzed and, you know, life can be kind of stressful sometimes when you're dealing with all this extra crap, that having someone in your life, obviously, that you love and those that loves you back, that can be a great help, too, in your life, too, having a partner. Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. You- when my, when my uh, second wife first came into my life, she studied everything she could on, on spinal cord injuries and really? read all about it and, and researched it and, and really dove in head first. Well, you're still a pretty young buck. you got to get back out there and date more, I think, Jason. I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> How old are your kids now? They must be like teenagers almost. Uh, my oldest is 28. Holy shit. Really? Yeah, wow, right? You seem so yeah, young. Right. And, uh, yeah. My youngest is 19. Wow. And are you in your 40s then, Jason? Are you older than that? I am. Okay. I'm about to turn 47 here. Oh, okay. I thought you were in your 30s. Well, you, you're very young spirited. That's so cool. So, gosh, you've been at this game for a while then. And, you know, I, it's always interesting to talk to different men and females and, you know, across this country and how they dealt with their situation i talked to a guy before you who his therapists were actually questioning him and in rehab and they were like you don't seem like you're really that sad and he says well i can't go back in time and fix it so what do you want me to do (laughs) and then he he just moved on with his life you know and but for some people they literally live in the past for decades and i and i've talked to all different types and you know i'm kind of somewhere in the middle to be honest with you but i think that I think that it's really important, though, to think about how life can be just so short and that I think, you know, even if it isn't the life that you necessarily planned for, you got to still love it, right? I mean, that's how I deal with it. I think we all have our moments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah I definitely have times where, where, <clears throat> I, where I go back and, and 
you know, sometimes secretly wish things were different, oh, but yeah, yeah. you can't stay there. No, you can't, and it's so unproductive. Yeah, yeah. You have to visit that and work through it, but yeah. you can't stay there. You can't stay there, and yeah, because... Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. I like to to make. I like to be productive during the day, and like I like almost everything I do to have like a productive kind of end, and and that's kind of thinking. It, it, it is be therapeutic, but I stopped doing that a few years after my injury. I had these fantasies that I could still walk down the stairs, and I'd surprise my mom. I'm like, Mom, look at I can still walk. See, I just walked down the stairs, and I would have these like fantasies, and then I was like, Why do I think this? I have to move on, and and I think that. You know, you get to a point where you think, well, this is my reality. I have to just love my life. I have to love who I am. And and I think for a lot of people, maybe they haven't broke their neck. Maybe maybe someone they know died and or maybe something terrible happened. And I think everybody has just their hard time moving, moving ahead with their lives in a way that they didn't really plan on it being. And I don't know. I think life, of course, is never how we plan it as a Jason. Oh, no. What's that? How's that saying go? Mm-hmm. Life is what happens while we're busy making other plans. <laughs> we're busy making other plans. And before we know it, we're 40 or 50, and we're like, how in the heck do we get so old, right? Right. I right. know. It's, I just turned 40 last week, and I got hurt when I was 14. And so it's like, wow, all this time has gone. And, 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 and you start really kind of thinking about, you know, what you've done, what you want to do. And, and that maybe that's what brought on this topic, too. But... I um I was gonna ask you too. Do you have any like books that you've read or anything like that that you would want to recommend to people that would help? Uh, not books necessarily, but okay. like I said, uh, reaching out online is a big is a big thing. Okay. Yeah. Some I have some other friends of mine who are paralyzed. They're like really into like these Zen kind of Buddhist type of books. They help them like find like peace and stuff like that. I don't know. Have you ever tried meditation before? Uh, in a sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, different uh, mindfulness techniques really work well. See, mindfulness. See, there you go. That's a huge thing. And does that help just when you're having a bad day, you mean, or just? Uh, yeah. Well, for me, it's it, it's the natural world. Okay. You know, I like, I like to go outside. I have a pretty big yard, and I yeah. live in a pretty rural area. So okay, yeah. I go up in the backyard and, and, uh, and just close my eyes and, and feel the the world around me that's that so cool a lot. i love that is beautiful really you do that see yeah, absolutely see you know absolutely. that's see and just i don't think enough people even do that kind of thing wheelchair or no wheelchair mm-hmm. right i think that i agree with you mm-hmm. i think more people should it it definitely uh is a way to feel connected Pre- and yeah. Uh, at peace with the world, I believe. Yeah, and so yeah, I learned that in my adaptive yoga classes I, w- I always used to take, they were always talking about being present and not in a, right. pe- you know, and like everyone's busy running around, driving around, going, figuring out, you know, getting up out of bed. If you're a quad, that takes like three million hours every morning and, you know, before you know it, you're going back into bed and, and it's like, are we, you know, so you have to take a, t- a moment to be like present and I think, that's really cool. What if we don't have a nature backyard? How do people do that? It's got to find a quiet spot in your house or something, huh? Yeah, definitely. Or, or yeah, set up an environment where, uh, I don't know, maybe burn some incense or, or find some quiet time or relaxing music. And, you know it. And, uh, just center yourself. Just center yourself. That's a huge thing. I don't think enough therapists recommend that to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, at least mine has been over the years. 
yeah. That's so cool. You sound like you're doing really good. You know, I think it's always great to talk to people who have been through a lot. And um, hold on one second. But yeah, I just want to say thank you. I know I think we're probably running almost low on time here, so I'm probably going to have to let you go. But before we say au revoir, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to mention quick? Uh, I guess to, the important part is to to stick with it. Yeah. And when, like I said, don't if you get down, just don't stay there. Yes, yes. Allow those moments to, to pass through and... Uh, and know that the, there's always better times ahead. There's always better times ahead. Yeah, and don't, I love that. Don't stay down in those air. Don't stay down in the negative low lowlands for, for too long because before you know it, you're not going to be able to get out, right? That is correct. That is correct. And getting out in nature is really good advice as well. So I love that, Jason. Well, thanks for letting me pick your brain. I'm sorry if I was, you know, picking you a little too aggressively, but I, I'm so fascinated. Every person who I meet who's also paralyzed, I just love to, you know, learn how they're dealing with it. So thank you again, okay? It's my pleasure. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, everybody. Uh, We are back, and we're going to be joined by Justin. Uh, He is a, uh, I think he's a paraplegic, uh, and he lives out in the mountains, and I believe he's in Montana, and I feel bad. I could be wrong about this, but hey, Justin, welcome. How are you? I'm uh, doing all right, doing but I'm not too bad. So, okay, no. You kind of goose up the whole Montana thing. Where, are you, where do you live then? Right I know I'm you're in the mountain time. Cheyenne, Wyoming. You're in Wyoming. So, okay, so that is that a big deal when you're from Wyoming to say you're from Montana? Well, Montana's a great state, too, especially okay. for outdoor type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I've lived my whole life in Wyoming. Oh, you're a Wyoming kid. All right, it's so awesome. That's a beautiful part of the country. I just got back from Colorado last week for my birthday, and, man, I forget how beautiful the mountains are out there. You must just get spoiled. Yeah, on this part of the state where I'm at, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of mountains. But oh, okay. I grew up in the southwest part of the state so I was going up to the mountains quite often when I was there okay well awesome so now if you don't mind let's talk a little bit about your accident and your injury and just kind of that because I'm kind of curious and are you an outdoorsman and have you still kind of maintained that um if you want to talk a little bit about that uh yeah I'm outdoorsman through and through uh Mm -hmm. my injury was July 1st of 2001 okay where I ended up rolling my pickup coming back from a rodeo that I was in wow. and got ejected from the vehicle. The vehicle rolled over me a couple times wow. and wow. Uh, broke uh, incomplete at T7. Okay. Wow. That must. So that was almost 20 years ago. And so, wow. So when you got injured, were you like, did you remember the injury or did you get knocked out and then kind of have this moment in the hospital where you woke up and they told you you were paralyzed? Uh, yeah, I got knocked out probably about halfway through the first roll yeah. and uh, got life flighted down to Salt Lake City, Utah, and mm-hmm. I think I was in a coma for about nine days or so. When I came out of it, wow. they told me what was going on and Ew. whatnot. There was a bit here and there that before I got life flighted, I'd pop out of being unconscious just for a second or two. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, in fact, one of the nurses told me that I broke my back when I was in the hospital mm -hmm. when they had brought me in in the ambulance, and I went right back out after that. But I remember that I didn't quite grasp the concept that I broke my back. I kind of thought it as, you know, I broke my arm, it'll heal kind of thing. That's what I thought. Yeah, it'll just heal. It's broken bone. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at, at that what point when you were kind of like, healing in the hospital everything kind of like set in and I the reason I ask is because I, I think it's always like a moment that we all go through when we have a spinal cord injury where you're like holy shit this is really happening and I'm just kind of wondering what was that moment like for you and what did you what kind of what did you tell yourself well um I honestly accredit the kind of outlook that I have of being in a chair and still getting out and doing things like for the life of me i wish i could remember the doctor's name but yeah. the main doctor that was above my that was in charge of my case and everything yeah uh thank god for that man because i got out of back surgery and him and the back surgeon was in the room back surgeon looked at me and told me that Usually he tries to do something if something can be done, but there wasn't anything he could do and mm. looked me right in my face and said, Justin, you will never walk again. Oh, no. And the main doctor that was over my case reared back and smacked him in his arm told him not to tell him that. Wow. And he got kneeled down on my bed and said, Justin, we're called practicing physicians for a reason. We don't know everything. Put your heart, soul, and mind into it, and who knows what might happen. That's a great doctor. What a great doctor. Heck yeah. Wow. And that was like in 2001 when, you know, that was kind of not, you know, spinal cord injury research was still pretty new back then. I mean, not many doctors really yeah. even believed that there could ever, ever be anything, you know? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So did you guys become friends after that or no? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, we chatted when he came into the room and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, haven't really kept in touch since then. The, the only people I've really kept in touch with from that initial stay in the hospital is a few of my roommates. One of them I can't seem to find out where he's at. He really? was a really nice person, him and his family. But oh, Really? What happened? Uh, What's his name? One of my other roommates uh, that I had for a long period of time when I was in there, we kept in touch over the years, got to be good friends with him and his family, and was actually even in his sister's wedding and the whole bit that's pretty special when you can make friends like that i i've done the same thing and when i was in rehab but if you want to do a shout out for the person you're missing we could do that right now if you want who out who, who um his name was mike stapley and he at least at the time lived in south jordan utah all right but, is he a quad or a pair or something like that um he actually got really lucky he <clears throat> When I first met him, he was in a halo okay. and the whole bit, doing the whole basically uh, a partial quad. Okay. And it turns out that he had just bruised his spinal cord. And okay. when I was released from the hospital, he was walking on a walker. So he oh, got yeah. really super lucky. He got lucky. Wow. So that's sad. Well, I hope he comes around one day. But I was going to ask, so how old were you when you had your injury? I was 19 years old. Oh, yeah. That's pretty a pivotal age for such an accident to happen. So, like, after your accident, you know, Corey, did you stay in the hospital for a few months, or where did you do your rehab at? 
I was in hospital for two months. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did rehab in the hospital for roughly about a month or so, and then uh, yeah. was discharged. They said they kind of let me go a little bit early because I was just starting to go stir crazy. I needed to get the heck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so were you able to take care of yourself right away, or how did all that go for you? Because I just, you know, you're what? What level are you? T6, you said? T7. T7, which means you've pretty good balance and all of that, so you probably can do everything, Fair. right? Yeah. Um, I got, actually, I, I was pretty lucky when it came to uh, taking care of myself when I first got out of the hospital because mm -hmm. I was able to move, I actually moved back in with my parents, and my mom was working as a CNA. Oh, wow. At the time <laughs> that I got paralyzed. That's so that was a big help. Wow. That is pretty nice. So... So what was life like when you went home? I mean, what were you doing before your injury, and what did you decide to do when you got home? Was it kind of like, or were you not sure what you wanted to do? Well, um, when I before I got in my wreck, I've always been into the outdoors, uh, hunted all my life, fished, camped, the whole bit. Okay. My dad was a gunsmith, so I grew up in a big hunting family and all that business, and... Um, Wyoming has a deal where you can fill out the correct paperwork, have the doctor fill out their portion, and you can get a disabled hunter's permit. Okay. That allows you to actually legally shoot from the pickup truck. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And two weeks to the day from being released from the, the hospital, I was out antelope hunting. <laughs> You're funny. I got right back into it. <laughs> well, you know what? That is awesome like when you think about it like you weren't even about to hesitate and that's pretty cool how did you know about this rule was it something you already knew about like i'm gonna get this license now now that i can get it i i actually had no idea about it. i had no clue about it <laughs> but uh here in wyoming for some animals and depending on what areas you hunt for when it comes to buck antelope you have to do like a lottery type drawing oh, okay weird. and i had already uh drawn out for the tag i already had the tag <laughs> so, so when i was in the hospital i guess my dad got onto it and contacted the game and fish and seen if there was anything of that sort and turns out there was and i had that permit in my wallet before i left the hospital <laughs> that's awesome so did that help you think just kind of getting back into the swing of things oh absolutely I and bet. yeah Believe it or not, I think one of my best therapies that I've ever had for my core muscles and that sort, because I didn't have hardly anything when I you know, got released from the hospital, but going out hunting, bouncing around in the truck and having to keep me and my rifle upright and all that tremendously helped my core muscles. I can actually flex my lats all the way down to my hips now. Wow, see, that's funny. All right, well. They you... had me in some sort of a, it was kind of like a girdle for my uh, core muscles, so I'd have to use that the rest of my life, and I left it laying on the hospital bed when I got released. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So your physical therapists were basically not that helpful is what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, they, they actually were. It wasn't really my therapist yeah. that I had overall, but... A couple of them said, well, you'll have to use this the rest of your life. You won't ever have any sort of core muscles. Right. I know. And I just mm -hmm. kind of, I've always been kind of one of those type of people that tell me I can't and I'll show you I can. That's pretty good. I like that. 
If you can do it, do it. You must be an incomplete injury, huh? Yes. Yeah, that's great. That makes it so, um, makes it possible you can really work your butt off. And I feel like with a really solid incomplete injury, you do feel like if you try, like you really, really try, you can maybe move more. Is it possible with your type of injury? I know it's a weird I, question. I, I've always tried to move things, haven't been able to move anything yet. Okay. I get tingling sensations in my toes when I try to move them. Really? But they okay. don't move. Okay, okay. Um, I, I've spoke with this, uh, I've been assigned a representative uh, from a doc, uh, big hospital in Thailand that does the spinal cord in, uh, implant and really? stencil surgery. But I'm having to unfortunately fight with uh, the medical records uh, department in the hospital that I was lifelighted to because mm. a while back I called and they sent me the paperwork to request my medical records so I, fin <sighs> so I can finish the paperwork for all that, see if I'm a candidate. Yeah. And right at the top of the paperwork, it was saying that if your stint in the hospital was over 10 years ago, they don't have your records anymore and that just doesn't make any sense to me so that, um, that's that's gonna fight and figure that out well that's really terrible i hope you, you have a lawyer i bet you do well you get that figured out I, that's oh man so are you trying to go to thailand or something and get some surgery over there yeah uh, i've went through uh conference calls and stuff like that and basically cool. what it comes down to now is Hopefully getting all the correct paperwork and filling out all of their paperwork and whatnot, having the main doctor kind of go over my case, see if he thinks I'm a candidate. Oh, okay. If I am, then I've got to raise up around $100,000 to be able to go and do it. That's expensive. Wow. Are you talking about yeah. an epidural stimulation surgery? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've I've heard about people going overseas. Well, good luck to you. That's a scary surgery for 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 that. But you know, people have seen some crazy results from that for sure. So yeah. yeah. I'm actually uh, friends with one of the first four people on the planet to have had it done. He oh. grew up in a town just right outside of, outside oh. of Rock Springs where I grew up. You I are? actually met him years before he ever had it done. No way. Okay, so you yep. are talking to someone that has first-hand experience with that. Yeah, he's been on the Today Show and all sorts of different stuff. So does he say that it's the it. real deal then? he Does he say that, go for it? Oh, yeah, definitely. He, he's able, he's not really able to take many steps as of yet, because, of course, there's going to be a ton of physical therapy and all of that and mapping and so on and so forth but he's able to stand up and he goes and does inspirational talks all over the place and that's insane it's working pretty good for him well i know his that name's dustin wilcox and if you looked online you could probably find him yeah well i know they've had some great results with their autonomic functions sexual bladder and bowel control has been reported yeah that would be amazing i know wouldn't it be <laughs> Well, I, you know, that's the thing. You know, you sound like you have a pretty good head on your shoulders. I don't know. I, I was hoping to get some, like, wise words of wisdom, like, from you about, you know, how, you know, but maybe you can still give some to me, Justin. And you're kind of like, you know, the Western kind of cowboy mentality where you just kind of, you, you know, you put your head down and you just go forward and you do what you got to do. But, you know, 
how do you, you have any advice for like someone that maybe isn't as tough as you are? Like, you know what I mean? Like how, Yeah. you know what I mean? It's hard. It's, it can be hard. It's a hard road transitioning from being able-bodied into being in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. It, it's so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when I was in the hospital, they had therapists come in to speak with me and they explained to me that they always come in to speak with everybody's newly injured because it's a life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I understand that. And they told me that they got asked to come in a little bit early because some of the doctors and nurses and such thought that I was too upbeat and too happy that I maybe wasn't accepting things. (laughs) And one of my biggest pieces of advice on that is exactly what I told them is I can't go back in the time to change what happened as much as I'd like to. Right. This is what I have. I've just got to do what I can to make the best of it. I've had rough times over the years here and there. It's only human nature to have rough times. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I try to keep myself busy. I still go out, hunt, fish, camp. Uh, last three years running, I'm average around 50th place in regionals out of four states and uh, playing <laughs> pool tournaments. Heck and, yeah, really? Okay, you're yeah. a good man of mystery. You have like all these hidden skills. Yeah, that's super cool. All right. So, you know, and I, how have you just, you know, dealt with being treated as a guy with a disability versus a guy that's walking uh, around? Has that bugged you ever? Or how do you deal with that? Yes, it has definitely <laughs> bugged me in the past. Uh, I mean, as far as the dating scene goes, yeah, there's definitely women out there that look at you in a chair and go, eh, nope. doesn't bug me at all. Okay. But see, there is absolutely, uh, you will run across women that either don't think they could handle it or are too nervous or what not to ask you, you know, if things get physical, if that's a possibility, so on and so forth. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's ways around all of that. There and is, yeah. I actually, believe it or not, just started dating a girl today. <laughs> you did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, Justin. See, this is what I like to hear. This is a great ba- this is a great day to be having you on my podcast. Awesome. Do you mind uh, sharing how you met her? Was it like a, a Tinder thing or was it like a random in-person meetup thing? It, it was a Tinder type of thing. It wasn't okay. on Tinder, but it was an online deal. And uh, right from the get-go, kind of pretty much my dream girl. She's a oh. ranch hand, works on a ranch, really? loves hunting, fishing, and all that stuff. And they even does a few of the outdoor deals that I have never even done that she's going to have to teach me. <laughs> okay, this is awesome. I bet my boyfriend on Tinder as well, so it is a great place to meet people. It's awesome. Well, it can work out and it can get ugly sometimes, but you just <laughs> oh well, move on. In fact, probably, I don't know, a couple months before I met this gal, mm-hmm. I had a girl reply back to me on one of those deals and she said I'm just going to be blunt I don't mean to be mean but asked me about the whole sexual deal I told her that uh, years ago I had a 
surgery where there's an internal pump that allows me to get, get erect. That's awesome, yeah. And she replied back saying, well, you can't control it on your own, goodbye. That's rude. Wow. That's well, mean, yeah. Piss off and kick rocks then, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, that's probably what's given me the most trouble or Mm-hmm. bothered me the most over the years of being paralyzed is knowing so many women or meeting so many women and almost mm-hmm. almost always getting put instantly into the friend zone because either they don't think they could do it or <sighs> don't think that physical stuff is possible so on and so forth mm-hmm, or even mm-hmm. so much of you know, go and asking a gal to dance and getting turned down because they don't think you can. Yeah, you know. And, you yeah. know, just goofy stuff like that where I've actually taught myself how to country swing dance in my wheelchair. Are you so. kidding me? All right. Well, I, it's too bad you're too shy because I bet you you'd be a great making the YouTube videos over there. People would watch that in a heartbeat. Oh, my God. So I am so excited for you and your girl. And, I, gosh, I almost want to keep going and asking you about that. But we're. I, I'm just going to... Stop it here because I don't want to jinx it. But you guys are awesome. And <laughs> and I maybe we'll have you on maybe in a year from now. We can talk about dating and more and all that stuff. We'll see how it's going with you and her. But congratulations. And thanks again for sharing your story. You know, life with a disability, spinal cord injury is just like you've been paralyzed for almost 20 years. So, you know, it's it's ups and downs are good are crazy. But I feel like this is a good you're, you're so, I'm happy for you. I'm so happy you met somebody. And. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate getting a chance to do this. I figured as long as it can maybe even just help someone, just one person kind of get over it a little bit and get their gears a turning and all that, yeah. then it'll be worth it. You know, Justin, I'm sure you've helped many people with this and, and I'm many people, male and female out there, but it's awesome to hear your story. It's so great to hear what you're doing out there in Wyoming, and I love that you're out there hunting right away, and I'm sure there's hunters out there listening that are like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So it's really inspiring. So thank you so much. Yeah, and feel free to, uh, you know, anybody that has questions or whatnot. Yes, for sure. They can hit me up on Facebook, and if I can answer it, I'll answer it. Yeah, well, so I'll have a link for your Facebook page on the podcast page when it goes live, if that's okay with you. If you want to share your email address right now or anything. I hardly ever look at it. <laughs> well, then I'll do the honest, Facebook link. It probably link. wouldn't be a good way to contact me. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, country boy. We'll just put your Facebook link up there and keep it at that, okay? <laughs> all righty. All right, you're awesome, Justin. Have fun with your new girlfriend. Have a fun fall, and I will talk to you later. So, hey, everybody, we are now uh, ending the show with Lindsay, who um, is joining us from the West Coast. She has an incomplete injury, and she has, I'm sure, uh, some also really great advice and, you know, coping mechanisms and all that to share with us. In From her perspective, I think it'll be cool to kind of understand what it's like when you're kind of, you know, able to walk a little bit and how that might be really frustrating and all that. And so... Hey, Lindsay, how are you? And welcome to this little podcast. 
I'm doing well today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I didn't want to, on purpose, I didn't look up a lot of information on you just so I could ask you on the podcast so so it's fresh, you know, and all that jazz. So why don't you, like, I, don't, I know you're at least live somewhere on the West Coast, but what, where exactly are you at? So I live in Oregon uh-huh. in a place called Mount Hood Parkdale, which oh. is um, just 15 minutes south of Hood River, Oregon, which is about an hour and a half east of Portland. Okay. It's right on the Columbia River Gorge, and I live at the, like, what we call the foothills of Mount Hood, which is a giant uh, volcano mountain that um, is, I mean, it's just a beautiful, serene place. I live in the forest. That's so cool. I've heard acres. of it. On five acres, you said? What's that? You see, sorry. You yeah, said, five uh, acres. And do you live with a, by yourself, or do you live in a house, or what's your situa- environs so like? I, I live in my parents' old house. They Ooh. moved to Ketchikan, Alaska about two years ago. Cool. Um, about five years after my injury. Okay. And I live with my husband, Fun. whom um, his name is Michael, right. and I met him, um, oh, a year and a half after my injury mm-hmm. um, through Tinder of all places. Oh, that happens a um, lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a wonderful man, and then um, we have a teenager that we adopted um, a year and a half ago. And he's now 18, but he still lives with us. Cool. And then I have a friend that um, lives with us right now because he is um, between housing situations. So um, so are you born and raised out um, Oregon, a Mont Hood person, or did you end up there? I just ended up here. I'm born and raised in southeast michigan oh what the and heck? then i bounced around a bunch after nursing school okay. um, for different jobs and then for i went for my master's in anesthesia and that sent me all over the place so cool. i've lived in a total of 10 different states nice and my parents had moved out here a few years prior to my accident and so after my accident they had me flown out here And I recovered in Portland and then moved out to the house in the country. And I've been in this house for about four years now. Okay. Well, that sounds fabulous. So, um, it was, I have to to ask, was it living out the country, your idea or your husband's idea? Um, so. It was your parents' house. So I guess you, yeah. Yeah. I moved out to the country. So they had a city house and a country house. Oh, fun. Um, mm-hmm. Until they moved to Ketchikan. Yeah. So yeah. I, my mom's a nurse anesthetist and my dad's oh, a hospital wow, um, okay. chief executive. Oh, so yeah. It runs in the family. Like, yeah. It's like the best support system you could ask for. Wow. Um, that's awesome. So I lived out in this house prior to even meeting my husband. Well, that's and awesome. And he just moved in with me and my family. Oh, um, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, he moved in probably about eight months after we met. That's so cool. Well, you know, I love hearing stories about the after injury. I always wonder about living out in the wilderness like that with a disability. How has that been? With I know you can walk a little bit, won't you? 
I guess talk a little bit about that first. Your, if you don't mind sharing about your injury and how mobile are you now? So um, my injury happened February 15th of 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a burst fracture of C5 and C6 from a uh, rollover car accident. It was 100% my fault. I looked down at my phone for direction, so oh, no. do not look at your phone when you drive. It's oh, no. not a good idea, especially That's... when you're on the highway going 75 miles an hour. Oh, um, so lost control of my car, flipped seven times, and luckily I only broke my neck. Um, my history as a nurse, I've done trauma ICU, so I know how bad people can get injured um my injury should have been a complete with the amount of damage that Mm -hmm. i had Mm -hmm. but i got lucky and it ended up being an incomplete i was fully paralyzed from my shoulders down for six weeks after my injury and then after about six weeks i started getting little flickers in my fingers and toes And I lived in a rehab unit for three months in Portland at um, Providence Portland Hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, within that time, I was able to start standing up, using a walker, taking steps um, with AFOs on each leg. So those are, you know, um, support braces because I do have some foot drops. especially on my left side. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I got really strong in the first, like, two years and got to the point where I was walking almost 50% of the day. Nice. And then, unfortunately, I, which is common with the cervical spinal cord injuries, I ended up with a steering, which is a cyst in the center of the spinal cord and so that actually reduced my function increased my spasticity my clonus pain all of those wonderful things that go along with an incomplete injury because i yeah i yes i'm more mobile Mm -hmm. than i should be but i also have feeling from my shoulders down to my toes which means i feel all of the pain oh yeah um at this point i use walking mostly as an adaptive tool okay for when i am in situations where there's stairs to get into a place Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. or um i fly to michigan once a month for school so okay. I use it for getting on and off the airplane. That way I don't oh. have to get strapped into the Hannibal Lecter chair, oh, nice. as I like to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those lovely child chairs. Um, and um, I, I use my ability to stand to, you know, be able to do things like, um, uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, so, um, like I said, I use my ability to walk is more of a adaptive tool to Uh get um to get through barriers that all of us experience um and then often my husband will like carry my chair in like into friend houses things like that yeah yeah um 
So, so and I nice, use yeah. um, all like forearm crutches to help keep me stable but still you know for your perspective that's probably even though like someone who's you know has a complete injury they're hearing you right now going oh i wish i was like her but for everyone else that's able-bodied i'm sure they're thinking oh god that would be so difficult and that for your perspective you're probably remembering how it was when you were able-bodied and i'm sure it's, it's been a, duff, a difficult transition for you and how old were you when this happened um so i'm 33 now i believe i was 26 or 27. Okay, so this is kind Somewhere of... Somewhere around So, so, so it's been yeah. like about five or six years you've been living this life as a person with yeah, paralysis. Yeah, it'll be seven years in February. Seven years. So, gosh, and so in, so you were a nurse before, and are you still going to be a nurse now? Or are you, are you sounds like you're going to school, you said? Yeah, so I've left bedside nursing. Okay. Um, I... You know, used to do ICU nursing and then anesthesia oh, cool. um, as a nurse anesthetist. Um, but with my injury, um, it affected my left side much more than my right. Mm -hmm. So my right hand works, oh, okay. and I have fine motor in oh. my right hand, but my left hand is um, much like every complete quadriplegic. Yeah, yeah. A fifth for most for the most part. Yeah. Um, so I, I left bedside and now I'm, I got my master's and now I'm getting my doctorate in what's called systems, populations and leadership. Oh. And that will, that sets, and I'm doing my doctoral thesis scholarly projects on educating healthcare providers. Cool. On disability and um, advocacy and resources. Wow, that so, is crazy. I'm, wow, I love that. What a transition. Now, that must yeah. have been, was it hard for you to give, to, to walk, to roll away, sort of walk away, you could say, from bedside care? What was it, was it something you felt like it was for the best or did you even consider it? I really tried my hardest to get back into it. Yeah. Um, for the first um year and a half or so okay but um especially once the syrinx showed up oh yeah i had to take stock and realize you know i can use this injury as a platform to do something bigger than just caring for one patient at a time and really make an effect for a population of people from a nursing perspective. That is so cool. And I bet your family was pretty supportive of you after your injury. And I mean, I've, I, I've interviewed a few people already for this podcast and everyone's kind of talked about how their family has been there for them right after they were injured. And that was such a big part um, of how they were able to kind of move, move on from, you know, let's face it, a crazy life-changing accident. So Maybe you could talk a little bit about how, you know, if your family was there for you or your friends, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I have a huge friend network of healthcare providers, mm -hmm. and my family is, you know, like I said, my mom's a nurse anesthetist, my dad is a hospital chief executive. So, as far as support systems go, I had like the A team. Um, and that has really driven my passion for helping others because 
I want people to feel the same support that I felt after my injury. I had zero fear of being, you know, going to a skilled nursing facility or, um, or not having a care team that was top notch because I had such great advocates on my side early on and they just continue to support me throughout the process and then meeting my husband he's been a rock for me and just so open to figuring out how to adapt things so that I can still live a very full, very joyful yes, life. Yes, yes, And were you active, like, like one of those athletic, active people, always on, you know, do, or what was that, has been, a, uh, sorry, has that been a difficult change for you? Maybe you can't be as active either as you once were. Yes, I was a, um, I was a person that would work a 12-hour shift Mm. and then go hike a mountain or on my vacation Mm -hmm. rock climbing Mm. snowboarding whitewater rafting oh you're a girl cross the grand canyon Mm. in a day no way i mean i've just Mm -hmm. i yeah i've i've done it all oh man yeah um, cool and now things obviously have slowed down yep yep but Mm -hmm. with my husband and my father and my mother, we have figured out many ways to adapt so that I can still get my adrenaline rush when I want it. Yeah. I can get outdoors. I can stay active, you know, camping, adaptive skiing, um, kayaking, paddle boarding. Um, my husband built a, a sled that he hooks up to a harness on himself <laughs> and then hooks the dogs onto him no way to pull him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he pulls me in snow so we go you know adaptive cross-country skiing okay. and we'll go back four miles wow. to a beautiful lake and things like that that's so, so that's cute I, like like i said i've got the a team that's so great you know you have such a supportive network it makes it a lot easier but even when you have a supportive yeah. network, sometimes you have those moments where you're like, nope, can't do this anymore. But do you ever have like a moment, like, and how did you get past that? I mean, you seem like you probably never even had a difficult day, really. I mean, or maybe you did, but you don't have to give me any details. Oh, but I, I just like to know, like, you know, I how had... do you get through those moments is basically what I'm trying to, you know. Yeah, like coping mechanisms, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I suffered from anxiety and depression prior to my injury even. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I have moments where <laughs> I am depressed and pissed off and I wake up and I'm just like, mm-hmm. F this, I can't do it anymore. Well, like, right? I need yeah. a break. Yeah, or yeah thing, I need yeah. a break from this. Well, you're and only you're only five years in, so you have very a fresh memory of how easy things used to be before, right? I think that's, right. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and things mm-hmm. things are much more difficult mm-hmm. now. But um, I I have a really good um, 
you know, healthcare team. Yeah. I have a counselor that I okay. see That's awesome. once a month see? to check in on things. And um, I've also, you know, I read a lot of books. Oh, cool. Um, see, what are you, what are you reading? Um, so one book that I read that was really helpful was called The Brain That Changes Itself. Okay. Um, another yeah. one, um, Brene Brown, anything by Brene Brown, daring okay, um, to lead any of her TED Talks or podcasts. Oh, Brene she Brown. She is, yeah, she's an amazing um, person who has really helped me um, cope with being vulnerable. Um because I am a type A, strong, independent woman. Right. And I've had to learn how to cope with being vulnerable. And right, that right. was, it's been difficult, but it's been worth putting the work in. For sure. And yeah. I also see um, a yoga therapist. Oh, um, cool. Once a week really? that does what's called like um, uh, yin yoga, which oh. is very gentle. They put you in positions that allow your body to relax. So that helps with my spasms. Cool. And then we do a lot of meditation work together as well. What? All right. You're doing, that sounds awesome. Is that like in your, the, the Mount Hood area or do you have to go to uh, Portland for that? It's in the Mount Hood area, and cool. she actually comes to my house oh, man. That to is do awesome. it. I just, I found just amazing people, and it's really just been See, that's um, so cool. trial and error, yeah. and putting myself out there and saying, this is what I have going on. Yeah. Would you like to help? Yeah. And how yeah. much does it cost? <laughs> <laughs> how much does it cost? That's awesome. You know, yeah. uh, it's so cool. Having um, that kind of you know, they call it Eastern medicine. I don't know why they call it, call it that still, but I think alternative me medicine, what, um, you know, yoga, acupuncture, I've heard time and time again, people with spinal cord injuries and just getting a lot out of that kind of stuff. A lot of times doctors, I don't think, recommend that stuff enough. So that's cool that's helping you out. Um, so what, yeah, sorry, the, go ahead and continue, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say the West Coast is awesome because complementary and alternative medicine that's what i call it yeah eastern medicine i, I like that. um mm -hmm. is something that they are very in tune with and it's highly recommended and prescribed i mean even in the hospital i was my physiatrist who was taking care of me did acupuncture no way. and she would do acupuncture on me daily what? when I was in the hospital and it was actually during an acupuncture treatment that I started feeling like oh I feel like I might be able to move something nice. and then I did what? I was with my toe what? and wow. we call it my kill bill moment <laughs> started talking to it, you know, wiggle your big toe, and then it did. And I was like, holy shit, that worked. <laughs> That's a good moment. And I love ever since wow. then, I, you know, I do get acupuncture hmm. and um, massage and all of those complementary alternative medicine things to help me cope with yeah. the pain that I have. Okay. With 
with movement yeah. also comes lots of sensation and oh, okay. it's not just sensation. Oh. It's neuropathy all over, joint pain, right. all of that. That's and, crazy. Yeah. Um, do you ever do and all those people allow me to talk to them and vent during our sessions as well, which is great for me. That's Talking great for you. <laughs> is the best therapy for me. Yeah, I think for and what kind of podcasts, other podcasts do you listen to that you want to recommend? Because I think you know people are um, always listening. I'm trying. I I honestly can't even remember the names of them. Okay, but um, I so. I'm really interested in a lot of like weird things like murder mysteries and stuff like that. <laughs> and also just um, podcasts that talk about like injustices. Nice. Those um, they're great distractions and they also help to keep that fire lit yeah. inside of me Ooh, to yeah. give me a sense of purpose. Like, I'm fighting this system. I'm yeah. fighting for other people like me. Yes. And yeah. that sense of purpose is, I think, the most important thing to my emotional well-being. I mm. get depressed when I don't feel a sense of purpose or when I feel, um, I guess, useless in a way. And oh, yeah. there are days and weeks that I am exhausted from, you know, certain issues such as constipation that keep me in bed for days or the opposite of constipation that in and out of bed mm -hmm. and showers mm -hmm. for yeah. days yeah. and that loss of control. Yeah. It, I mean, I get very depressed at times. Yeah, it's crazy. And Life's crazy. That's when yeah. I reach out to my support network mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, allow myself to be vulnerable. And that's been the most important thing for me is being um, okay, not feeling shame for right. being vulnerable and being out. Isn't that true? People always think, oh, I have to be like superwoman all the time. People expect me to always be happy and everything. Hold on one second. Yes. My boyfriend just got back with our yep. dog. Okay, All right. Great. So, Lindsay, thank you again. Um, you've been really informative. You've been the only girl I've been able to interview for the show, by the way. I've interviewed three guys. You're the only girl. So thank you again for sharing your insight, your wisdom out there on the West Coast. That's so cool. You live out in Mount Hood. I, one day I want to visit your part of the country because I've been looking at the adaptive ski programs out there, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, well, we have um – we have a guest bedroom open, mm -hmm. so you're welcome here anytime. Oh, that's so nice. For other people with spinal cord injuries, if they find me on Facebook, they can feel free to reach out and ask me questions. I am always, I try to make myself available for that. It, again, gives me that sense of purpose. That's so cool. That is so cool for you to do that. You're like the accessible Airbnb that everyone's always trying to find, but they can't find the website because the search function is horrible. Right. Yeah, we don't we don't advertise, but I definitely invite people. And um, and then with the nursing background, I can always help people with uh, health concerns as well. So that's awesome. Look me up if you need it. All right, Lindsay. And so Lindsay, if you want to share your last name, why don't you do that so people can kind of find you on Facebook? Yeah. So my last name is Freisinger. Uh -huh. F as in Frank. 
R-E-Y. Yeah. And then Singer. Okay. See, so Lindsay Freisinger, and I'm going to try to add a link to on this podcast episode so people can just click if I can get that to work. I'm not always good at that. But um, thank you again. Um, as all, It's so cool yeah. to meet so cool to meet people who are paralyzed and hear their stories. I mean, this is why I do the show. So thank you again. Have a great weekend, okay? Yeah. All right, yeah, bye. Yeah, you too. Thanks okay, so yeah. much for having me. And I want to thank you guys, too, for checking us out and listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. It was kind of a long one. Um, if you listened to all the, the interviews, thank you. If you only listened to one or two, thank you as well. Um, there's no problem with just listening to part of the show. I have no problem with that. I'm just glad if anyone listens and has uh, and took something away from it because that's why we're doing these shows. So thank you again. And if you would like to be on a future episode of Life After Paralysis, please uh, send us your information. My email for that is tiffanycarlson at gmail.com. Thanks again.